You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Trey Barrett, Will Greenwood, and Ryan Livergood. That's right. We're the Fantasy Joes. Joining me this evening from the Twin Cities, from the home office in the Twin Cities, it's Will Greenwood. <laughs> I'm in the Twin Cities, everybody, in case you didn't know. It's a beautiful night out, beautiful day, beautiful Joes. We're ready to go. We are ready. Joining us from North Carolina, the one and only Trey Barrett from North Carolina. I botched the introduction, Trey. I'm sorry. What's going on? Hey, man. It's nice to, nice to be with you guys tonight. We're getting some really pleasant uh, summer weather, man. It's 60 degrees outside. I'm loving it. Like last night, I was grabbing for the the fleece blanket. So it's, it's nice, nice weather here. Man, football's so close, guys. See, it's single digits away from the first i mean if you can call the hall of fame game the first <laughs> the first nfl but i mean it's nfl preseason it's, it's actually football man it's like right around the corner that's right it's we're excited starting get, we're starting to get reports from training camps great reports um Karen johnson there's we're not gonna put a limit on his touches it's awesome and this guy looks like he's in the best shape of his life it's so much fun i'm ryan livergood at Roto librarian north of chicago we're excited here because our chicago bears are starting training camp uh, down at Bourbon this week, which we won't really talk about. We're going to get into Dynasty. We are going to talk about some Dynasty trades. And we're going to call the segment, guys, what do we decide to call the segment? Dynasty trades. <laughs> we're not known as the most original podcast in the, in the business for nothing, folks. I mean, uh, no. How about we call it? IBM presents You Make the Call. You Make the Call, Dynasty Trades Edition. So what we are doing is we're looking at some trades, which I think do these all involve one of the Joes, maybe not all of them, but we're going to talk about some trades and we're basically going to make a call on what side we like and talk about why our side is superior than the other side. And hopefully one of the other Joes will take the counter side and, and we'll argue, we'll go back and forth. It's going to be fun. I think I'm first on the list, guys. We're all in a league that all of a sudden we've got two new owners and it's super active. The rookie draft is starting in a week or two. And it's great because things are going on. And the Joes have been involved in a lot of trades, more so Will and Trey than myself. Uh, but Will made a deal, and I want to talk about it. Will, you have a roster that we would consider would, – would you consider yourself a contender or you're kind of in rebuilding mode? Uh, I am in rebuilding mode slightly. Slightly. So but Will yes. sent George Kittle – the 102 and a 2021st for Carrion Johnson, Sony Michelle, Chris Godwin, and the 206. So once again, he sent Kittle, the 102, a 2021st. He got Carrion Johnson, Sony Michelle, Chris Godwin, and the 206. So if you look at the Dynasty Trade Calculator, it favors the Kittle side uh, by about five points 65.9 to 60.9. So, Will, if I were going to make the call, I would have you undo the trade because I feel like you didn't get enough for the package that you sent over. I, I think that Kittle and Grant Johnson essentially cross each other out in terms of value. Now you do have Evan Ingram on your team, if memory serves. So you didn't necessarily need that extra. I do not. Yeah. But still. I do not have Evan Ingram, but it's fine. Oh, you don't? Oh, no. well, who, who's your starting tight end now that you've tr- traded Kittle? The uh, starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, that's your starting tight end, huh? That you've tried to acquire it from me. 
Yeah, I did. Because you said you liked uh, Kyle Rudolph more. So, um, Jimmy Graham. I Jimmy Puckett. Apparently- I might be winning no. now, though. I actually kind of decide. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so that leaves us with it. If I'm just saying Kittle and Karen Johnson cross themselves out. So you could argue against that. But then you got the, you traded the, the 102 and a 2021st, and you're, basically your package is Sonny Michelle, Chris Godwin, and the 206. I don't feel like that's enough for those, those picks. Uh, Sonny Michelle. Yes, maybe some of the noise about his knee, it's getting overblown for this year. But I, I do think you can't not take that seriously, guys. Like that, you know, that was the knock on him going into the draft. I know New England took him anyway, but still, I, I think that his body's starting to break down at an early age. I don't think he's the same guy he was when he was in college. So I feel like you're getting this deteriorating asset for your dynasty team. Chris Godwin, you know, he's, he's the wide receiver too in Tampa Bay. Like how high is his ceiling? And then the two of six. So I'd rather have those draft picks. That's, that's my complaint about the trade, but we'll obviously you disagree because you made the trade. So tell me well, why. Let's let Trey weigh in first. Okay. Trey, go ahead. Yeah. So I, <clears throat> this is a really tough trade for me to <clears throat> evaluate because I am, I'm of the, first of all, I don't think this particular league values tight end significantly. It's a half PPR league and, and we all play in this league. And, and I believe honestly that George Kittle is due for a little regression. And, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about that. I don't have to go on and on about that. So I think you're, you're uh, one nice thing is you're selling Kittle. Um, I think high for me, at least I think re- productions replaceable at the tight end position in a league like this, where, where tight ends aren't incredibly valued. Um, and I do think the 102 sounds like a really nice pick. You know, I, I think probably 102 and carry on Johnson are similar in value. You know, you, you could argue, you know, plus or minus. Um, I, I think carry on's worth more than the 102, but um, the 2021st and Sony Michelle are probably the big, I, I, I also believe that, you know, Chris Godwin is a little bit um, overhyped right now, but certainly there's a possibility he has a massive year this year. So I think Sony Michelle, the key for me, I think, is value-wise, Sony Michelle has a real opportunity to catapult his value upward this year. Um, I, I think that we saw it in the playoffs last year. I mean, the Patriots were riding him, and he was just putting up massive production from a fantasy perspective. So I, I do think that Sony Michelle's the X factor in this trade. I don't necessarily feel that quite as strongly um, as Ryan does. Um, I, I do, you know, of, of everyone in this trade for me, the one I would prefer to have the most is Karrion Johnson. So I do like the fact that you got that. Um, the 2021st, there's a lot of, uh, you know, what pick is that going to be and what player does that end up being? And how does Sonny Michelle's 2019 season go? Does he stay healthy all season? And I think those two things, um, if you end up, you know, being in the middle of the road and, and that ends up being the 105 and Sony Michelle's a top 12 running back this year, uh, you know, I think that this tw- trade looks pretty good for you in, in 12 months. So I, I think there's some, some moving parts and pieces that are kind of hard to everybody values 2021st a little differently. Everybody values, you know, guys like George Kittle a little differently. So um, I, I'm pretty neutral on the trade, honestly. I, I actually prefer the side you got, but that's because I'm a carry on Johnson fan for life. Yeah, and I will say, well, before you, you jump in here, you know, the, the more I thought about it and I looked at it and you made some deals after the fact, which we won't get in, go into you involve a package involved uh, Godwin, I believe. 
so the more I looked at it, it it's not like I'm like, this is a horrible trade that you made. I, I just, I don't know. Just if I want to be critical about it, I, I feel like maybe you could have got more when you were on the clock for that 102 and that 2021. I just feel like those things keep going up in value. Uh, and I do think Kittle is going to be a stable asset. I think he's going to stay in that uh, tight end tier. That's where Trey and I disagree. Cause I think I just like Kittle a lot more, but as we discussed on our Patreon show, I, I'm also starting to get higher on Carrion Johnson. And I do think you got the best piece of the deal with Carrion Johnson. So you definitely got the best piece there because I, I value him a little bit over George Kittle. So with with that, talk about it. And the thing is, too, you gave up George Kittle, Iowa tight end. How could you do that to the state of Iowa? My boy George. Ashamed? Uh, so this to me in this particular league, uh, it's a league where there's kind of one dominant – or there, actually, I shouldn't say just one. There's There's a couple of pretty stacked teams that are going to be hard to compete against. And so I did this trade as an upside deal moving on for moving into this year. I think that trade offered me a lot of room for benefit in this upcoming season. Uh, I made subsequent deals that, that, that changed this uh, as far as my outlook as my team goes. But when this one was made, uh, Trey, I actually had you in mind because in that team you have Mike Evans. And I was like, well, if I have Chris Godwin, let's say Mike Evans, Mike Evans pulls a hammy or has to sit out a little bit or, you know, there's a, you know, let's say fantasy playoff times comes around. I've somehow snuck my way in. And we're playing, and now I have Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans is off the table. I don't think your team would be that hurt, but it, uh, I, was, I was just basically making this as an upside play so I can be competitive in the, in the league this year. And the 102, I think, is, I think is good, but I'm pretty sure Josh Jacobs is going to go 101. And for this particular season, uh, I think David Montgomery and Miles Sanders have uh, some great dynasty upside, but they're going to be – I don't think it's going to be a very smooth ride in their first season overall. So that's kind of where I was coming from. You know, grabbing the 206 to move uh, at a later point in time and then losing it overall in the, the, you know, like the dynasty trade calculator value, that was okay with me. That's just sometimes when you know that you're the person that you're trading with uses that quite a bit, sometimes you just have to lose a deal in the dynasty trade calculator's eyes, and that's okay. Yeah, and I, I think that it's always okay to lose a deal in the, in the trade calculator's eyes. In fact, I think that's a we, – we talked about this on the show uh, several times, I think, where that you can use that to your advantage if, if you really think – that will persuade an owner to make a deal, send them a screenshot. Like, well, you know, I really love this guy. So I'm willing to take the loss here because I'm, I'm losing this by, deal by five points. So, you know, I, but I'm willing to do that because I like this guy so much. So yeah, use that to your advantage. Get them to think like, Oh, I'm getting the value in the steal. I'm going to win this deal on Twitter. If I put it on Twitter, so I'm going to do it. So no, I, I like that. Well, that you are not, you know, um, blinded by the trade calculator. Which can happen. I, I, and I'm also, I have a, still a, holding out a lot of hope for Sony Michelle. I still think he was a, an electric uh, college player. Uh, you know, he tested as a good athlete, not great athlete, uh, at least maybe like a minus athlete, let's say. And I think that in that Patriots offense, his first year coming from Georgia, where the quarterback doesn't lead you with the ball, he only throws it to your chest. Uh, he's, he's had some adaption to do in the NFL, and it took a while, especially with him missing training camp last year. And now that he's, he's kind of sitting out now, uh, we'll see kind of how this offseason goes. But still still high on him, and I think this is a great opportunity. He's just been get, getting hated on so much, especially with that Damian Harris pick in the third round. I felt like that was his value could significantly increase going into next year is is one of my opinions as well. Yeah, and I hope you're right because I, I, even though I just like ripped into Sonny Michelle earlier, I like Sonny Michelle a lot too. I loved him coming into the league last year, and I still have him where I drafted him. Uh, and I don't really want to trade him. I don't think that it's necessarily smart to trade him because I think you are kind of selling low. So, so Will, do you want to? Uh, you you have a kind of a a bone to pick with me on a deal that I made. 
Well, I was, so I was trying to look for ones with you guys that I really had strong opinions about. And I found kind of an interesting one with you, Ryan. And I, I, you know, I didn't look into context right away because I didn't want to. I wanted to look at these just straight across the board. Right. You see this deal comes through. Let's say this is the DLF, you know, trade finder. So this is what you're looking for, what people are getting for a player. And so this is the 14-team Superflex League. And Ryan traded Dante Pettis for the 202. So let's take the DTC into, into, into account here. That's a 12.5 to 7.0 value. That's a pretty big loss on a one-player deal when you're talking about these kind of escalating values. If you're making a, you know, that kind of difference in players that are in, like let's say, the 30s and 40s in value, and you think one person is going to be better or one player is going to be better than the other, that's a little bit more, I feel like, mitigated once you get higher up as far as percentages go. So I was like, what is, what is Ryan doing? Like, why, why would he ever do this? And, uh, you know, I, I think if you took that out of context, it's a great trade example of, of why, I guess, why you shouldn't. And I ended up looking into it. But, Ryan, why don't you walk us through the thought process with that deal? Essentially, I, I saw some guys that were slipping that I wanted to acquire. And th- this is very much a personal trade that I made because I wanted to add to my running back depth on my team. And, you know, I've got some, after some willing and dealing in this league, I've got some, you know, wide receivers locked in there. I was going to start. So I, I knew Dante Pettis. I'm just never going to start him. So I don't really need him for depth, but I saw Darrell Henderson slipping a little bit. I don't own Gurley, but I am, even though I'm an Illinois alum, a Florida Southern college alum, I'm also a university of Memphis alum. And some listeners don't know that. So I like Memphis players and I didn't really have him to many places. So I wanted to get, get a piece of him. So that motivated this deal a little bit as well. So that's who I took with the, with the, with that pick over some guys that may, maybe I actually like more in this rookie class. So that's what motivated it. I just wanted to, I, I just think he's an intriguing player and I felt there in this league at the two two Superflex league. I just, I liked the value. So I, I did what I needed to do to get the pick. Maybe I was just also caught up in the trade frenzy that, that will you started and, and Trey, you added onto you. So I had to get involved in that too. So emotions, the desire to get a player <laughs> all played in to, and, and I just don't have a lot of faith in, in Pettis. Um, I, I mean, I think he's a good player. I really liked him last year. I just, I don't know. I don't know how his high ceiling is in San Francisco. I have a feeling that they're going to draft a wide receiver next year. And I, I just think he's going to be the wide receiver two best case scenario there, even if that San Francisco offense is great. So I don't know. That's where, where I was with it. But yeah, I lost the deal for sure. Value wise, totally lost that deal. Completely agree with you. Well, and it, it, it shows, like on the, the, the trade calculator, the dynasty trade calculator, that moves Daryl Henderson, who you took with this 202, his value now, according to that, is 14.6. So it's, it's funny the way it just kind of swings uh, like pretty rapidly one way or the other based on particular you know, sites, rankings, and things like that, and your personal opinion. But so, so I, a, won deal? I, won, I won the deal? Oh, my gosh. Wow. You more than doubled the value <laughs> of the original 202 pick. <laughs> That's funny. It, it's, it's not overly controversial or anything like that, but that's taking no. a, hot, a hot asset like Dante Pettis and losing a trade on its face value. When somebody looks that, uh, looks that up in, let's say, the trade finder or somebody you know, sees it on uh, MFL or anything like that, uh, it looks like you lost. But, I mean, Daryl Henderson he's, he's, has a pretty wide range of outcomes. Uh, if you go strictly by value, you're back on top. And I think that's a – a good reminder too that if you have conviction in someone even if it's a loss a big loss make the deal even if people in your league chat say oh you're crazy for making that deal sometimes you're right and sometimes those deals pay off for you 
So if you, if you have good reason to make it. So not that this is a big win or anything. I mean, I guess time will tell, but I, I don't, but you know, we've, we've seen those deals where we ridicule the, the, the guy in the chat and like two years later we look back and we're like, Oh, he, he knew what he was doing that. That's why he traded for that much for Mahomes Cause he knew Mahomes was going to be a good quarterback. I got a hunch anyway. So, all right. What, what's next? What's next on the, um, on the list? Um, I, I guess Trey, I want to, I want to ask you about a trade that you made with Will. So Trey, there's this running back that plays the New Orleans Saints that you're pretty high on. Uh, maybe our listeners have heard of him. His name is Alvin Kamara. And you traded him for Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, and a 2022nd, which is a likely very late second. So you won the deal according to the trade calculator by a few points, but you gave up a guy that's a you know top four dynasty running back for Leonard Fournette, who has some question marks, right? Let's just be nice about it. Josh Jacobs, who we're excited about, but he doesn't exactly have that bulletproof profile of, of some first-round running backs we've seen. And then this 2022nd that's likely late. So what was your thought process behind making this deal? You know who else didn't have a bulletproof profile? One Alvin Kamara. He's not a top-four <laughs> dynasty that's running true. back for that's me. True. I, I think – I think Alvin Kamara, I think the love for Alvin Kamara is a little, getting a little overblown, okay? I like him. He is not a top four dynasty running back. Like, he's closer in all honesty to me. He's closer to the tier of Chubb, Mixon, and Karrion Johnson than he is Ooh. CMC, Zeke, and, and Saquon Barkley. And there's one, a major reason for that. If you look at – Alvin Kamara's numbers from last year, right? He was the running back four. That was, that was incredible. Okay. The problem was he put up such, I I think it was almost 40% of his production in the first four games of the season when Mark Ingram was suspended. And I want to talk about his usage. Okay. I want to talk about his scoring in those four games compared to the other 11 games he played last year. Okay. First four games of the season, no Mark Ingram, 34 PPR, points per game his three highest point totals of the year came in those four weeks touches 26 touches per game on average for 153 total yards on average those four games right let's look at his other 11 games the other 11 games where mark ingram was playing his points per game dropped from 34 down to 19.8 which just so you guys know is essentially would have would have made him running back eight last year instead of running back four his Touches per game went from 26 to 18, and his total yardage per game dropped to 89. He had zero 100-yard rushing games last year. When Mark Ringer played, he had zero 100-yard receiving games. He had three such games, two, two I think, receiving and one rushing when Mark Ingram um, did play. So uh, Mark Ingram's moved on. Latavius Murray's coming to town. The other thing for me that's concerning about Alvin Kamara, last year he scored, I want to say it was 14 touchdowns, okay? But if you look at Alvin Kamara's usage, he was utilized in the red zone. He only got 46% of the team's rushing attempts, which is like about 15th in the league. Inside the five, it was less than 40% of his team's rushing attempts. So the 14 touchdowns, I believe – is kind of a misnomer and due for a little regression. It's hard to predict touchdowns. But for me, if you look at the usage, if you look at the model that the Saints used 
last year when they had an available running back of Mark Ingram's caliber, Alvin Kamara was not being used at the pace he was the first four games. I think Alvin Kamara is an incredibly talented running back. I think that he probably has one or two years left under Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And I think that he is being overvalued right now in Dynasty. So for me to get a depressed asset in Leonard Fournette that could very easily lead the league in rushing this year if he stays healthy, and that's a big if, right? There's some risk there. I also get Josh Jacobs, who is a 21-year-old first-round running back who would not surprise me one bit if in 12 months he was worth essentially what Kamara is. So for me in a league where I needed some running back depth, I mean, literally last year in this league, I was starting Alvin Kamara and Theo Riddick at running back. So I, I needed some depth at running back. For me, I felt like I could buy two guys that I feel like will grow in value. Leonard Fournette for me in that league will probably be a sell if he really starts putting up the numbers he can and is healthy five, six weeks into the season. So, so for me, it was just a matter of, you know, I feel like Alvin Kamara is at peak. I don't think his value can get any higher. I saw an opportunity to grab two assets that I feel like will grow in value in the next 12 months. And, and so I did it, you know, I may look back in season and regret it, but you know, I I feel like I have two startable assets, which I, kind of needed in, in that league on that team and um, was, was willing to, to give up a Camara share to, to get it. Will Greenwood, you are the individual that acquired uh, Alvin Kamara. So how, how do you, you still feel good about this deal? Would you undo it if you could? Oh no, I never thought it was a big steal. I thought it was a pretty good offer and a pretty good wheel and a dealing that Trey and I had. I might've just sent that offer and then Trey snap accepted it, which always makes me nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited because I wanted the top end asset. I wanted to, uh, I finished second place in this league last year, and I was, I'm, in my I'm opinion, who beat you in that league? I'm just curious. I can't remember. They started the, a fantasy defense that really swayed <laughs> that outcome. That's why you shouldn't start defenses; they're dumb. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> so it, it, so for me, like I had acquired Josh Jacobs. I think he slipped to like the 103 in that league, if I'm correct. And, and I made a move to acquire him, uh, and then I'd also had Leonard Fournette and. To, to me, combining those guys for what Alvin Kamara can do for me this year, I'm going for it. I'm going for the win. And uh, I, I know that – so Alvin Kamara actually had 18 touchdowns because he had four receiving and 14 rushing. I don't really expect that. Uh, I don't think that should be expected. But let those regress a little bit. I don't think his yardage totals are going to change. And, yeah, you're going to have a little bit of week-to-week ups and downs. But you, you really uh, – you kind of have that with all players. Uh, and I think Alvin Kamara – on a week-in, week-out basis, this is going to win me the majority of my weeks versus lose them for me. And it won't be close. It is going to be fascinating to see how they utilize Latavius Murray. If they use Murray like they did Ingram or if they don't. And and what if Kamara gets more volume? Because if he does, he's going to be a monster. But if they use Latavius Murray like they did Ingram, then Latavius Murray is going to have a great year. And I, I think, you know, no matter what, Kamara is going to be solid because of, you know, the way he's used on offense and game script, script proof and all that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, it's going to be fun to see. And, and you know, once again, you know, looking, I just put that trade in cause it was a good, good thing to talk about. I think you're right. I think it's, it's pretty darn even. And, um, but, but, but I, I try, I like the points you made about Alvin Kamara and about it, it, it was that stretch with Ingram out. And we just don't know how the saints are going to, going to use them with, Latavius Murray. I mean, we can argue one way or the other, but 
we really don't know at the end of the day, and it's going to be fun to see. It's something yeah, I still, I still like Alvin Kamara a ton. I mean, I, I do. I just think that, you know, it, when you kind of start crunching the numbers, I just don't think that he is going to get the volume of guys like Barkley, CMC, and Zeke. Um, and he, he is obviously, you know, his efficiency took a little bit of a hit last year. I think – yeah, and you're right, Will. I, when, I, when I said 14 touchdowns, I was looking just at the rushing touchdowns because I was looking at how many – you know, despite the fact that he had a, a less than 50% of, of the Saints rushing attempts inside the red zone, he still scored. You know, I think 13 of his rushing touchdowns were from uh, rushes inside the red zone. So it's, it was just a really, really high percentage. Um, so, you know, obviously – and he's a dynamic player. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, this is not an Alvin Kamara. Hey, this is not a, you know, um, I, I think he's a top 10 running back. No question asked. And I think he's an incredible, he's an incredible um, player, a great guy to watch and an incredible fantasy asset. You know, I, I just feel like he is, um, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does this year. And, and, um, I just I, – I actually had not – not until I was was kind of going to defend this trade had I realized – I knew that there had been a drop-off in production after Ingram came back because, as you guys know, I have it, I have Kamara in a lot of leagues. And, um, you know, the boom weeks just weren't there last year. There was a lot of steady production, a lot of 18 to 23-point games. But, you know, the, those 30-plus point games um, were all uh, essentially while uh, – I think he had one 30-point game the rest of the, the way. So I, I was a little bit surprised even, honestly, to, when, I, when I did this deep dive this week, um, looking into the, the comparison when, when Ingram was there and when he wasn't. So. And I think this is a classic example of you guys both discussed your positions or your teams are totally a win-win trade for both of you. Trey, you're right. In that league, your biggest weakness was your lack of running back depth. You solidified that. Will, you've, you've locked in a guy in your roster, you know, running back starting every week. So this is a great example of win-win. And as good as it is to, you know, fleece somebody in a trade, if you can find a trade partner and make a trade and it, it benefits you both, that's the best kind of trade. And this was the best kind of trade. So let's move on. Maybe we do a little bit of uh, not a rapid fire, but we'll pick up the pace a little bit with these next deals. So we've got – is this a trade or – what, what, yeah, this this is a trade, and okay. this is one. I, I didn't actually find specific trades where where you guys were involved, or I, I just kind of because we I, love all I, of our I, trades. It was hard. You looked at him like God, Ryan and Will. They just make the best, smartest trades. So I, I just I can't find anything to criticize. I, I get it. That's fair. We, we forgive you. Couldn't find fault with any of your <laughs> any of your trades, guy. <laughs> trades that I thought were really interesting that I saw on Twitter, and and this this trade actually you know, received, uh, so we could do a little flashback to, to last week, just real quick. We've got a uh, PPR league, 12 team PPR. Um, and we've got Damian Williams and Andy Isabella traded for Darius Geis. And, and I'm curious what you guys thoughts are because these are, you know, Andy Isabella, I think is, you know, relatively in, in this particular trade, not really the, the talking point, right? Essentially this is a Damian Williams versus Darius Geis and two, two very different guys as far as where their value was, you know, 24 months ago, 12 months ago. And, and now, so, the, so the big question is where do you guys side on this? Um, you know, Damian Williams and Andy Isabella for Darius guys. Uh, it's the curious, like the curious case of Darius guys uh, on paper and up front, 
it would be a snap except on the Darius Guy side for me. I'll still buy into that upside and not buy into Damian's long-term value, even though I think he has that one to two year boom potential. And I've, I've, you know, we talked about Damian Williams last episode quite a bit and I expressed my love for him. But I think here, I guess you just bank on the long-term upside of Darius Guys, but there's, there's potential that Darius Guys could just be a massive bust and that this looks like a, you know, you got a, good, a one great year, two great years of production out of Damian Williams. So I can see how somebody convinces themselves to make this deal. I think up front, when you're talking about dynasty assets, this is not something I would do because it's too big of a swing. I'd want to get more uh, than just Andy and uh, Andy Isabella. And maybe I'm not as high on Andy Isabella as this person was uh, who owned Darius guys. So that's a, that's where I would stand. Yeah. It's one of these trades that you're trying to capitalize on recency bias and how people emotionally feel about these players. Because if you drafted Darius guys, you might've drafted him you know, as, as the one Oh two and you were excited and you saw him go down and you've been holding him and it's 2019 and it's like, okay, 2019, here we go. But AP's coming back to Washington. Oh, you know, he's got this, uh, uh, his hammy's bothering him, um, even though the report out came, came out today that he's going to be fine, allegedly. Uh, so then if you, you know, you might go to the Darius Guys owner and be like, hey, you know, I'm looking at your team and you need a running back for this year. Damian Williams could be that guy for 2019. I'll give you Damian Williams and I'll, I'll give you Andy Isabella. He's going to be in that exciting Arizona Cardinals offense. He could have a great year this year, but if he doesn't, you've got Andy Isabella for the future. So, like, emotionally, if you're the guy owner, you may, that may persuade you. But I, I think the guy's side is the side to take. Yeah, I mean, there's risk holding on to him. But I, I would take Darius Geis, and, and obviously that could blow up on you. But, yeah, I, I'm going with Geis. I, I, Damian Williams, I just don't think it's smart to invest in long-term. And Andy Isabella, why I like him, doesn't make up the difference between those two players. Yeah, I just I thought it was interesting because because these two guys are, are such interesting cases, and and I think twelve months from now this trade is going to be fun to look back on. Fifty four percent of the fifteen hundred and eighty four people that voted on this trade chose the the Williams and Isabella side. So fifty four percent of Twitter would rather have Williams and Isabella, and, and this is you know in the last uh, in the last couple months. So. I do find it interesting. I, I, I think that this actually, um, the, the the tweet was originally put out on 5.30 of 19, which I think might have even been before Darius Geis had the hamstring tweak, which I, I found interesting. So I, I wonder if it wouldn't even be more one-sided now. Yeah, for me, this is Darius Geis all day. This is a, a snap except. If, if I've got Damian Williams, which I don't, um, but if I have him and Isabella and I get to offer Darius guys, I, I, Darius guys, I think is a low key buy right now. Honestly, um, you mentioned it, Ryan, he's not starting on the, uh, PUP inactive. He's going to be active for the start of camp. He's 22 years old still, right? Don't forget that. Like this is a guy super talented. Um, I, man, I think that it's, there's going to be a, a, a small buy window here before the season starts. So I, I think Darius guys is getting to a point where I'd like to buy him. Yeah, remember three, three, four years ago in the Debbie world, there were some people talking about who was better, Darius Geis or Saquon Barkley. Believe it or not, that actually a conversation actually happened. I mean, I think we know that Barkley is the answer, but that was a conversation at one point. So he's very talented. So yes, the, he's he's super intriguing. I feel like that's a trap that we could potentially be falling into in 2020 as well. Uh, but I, I mean, maybe not as bad as those two being compared to each other, but. So let's let's look at the dynasty trade calculator in full PPR. 
Guess which side wins this, guys? I'm hoping the guy's side, but you're making me question that. Well, just give snap answer. Oh, give you – no, I'm going guys. Guys. Uh, so it's 21.7 to 19.0 for the Damien Williams and Isabella side. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> 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 All right, let, let's let's move on. We got a, a couple of deals left to talk about. Will, who wants to mention, uh, you know, observed a, a trade that Trey made. So let's hear it. Twelve team superflex, half point PPR. Yeah. So this I, the only reason I harken back to this one is because we talked about Dak Prescott versus Kirk Cousins last time. So Trey, you know, the twelve team superflex, half point PPR uh, sends Dak Prescott, Chris Godwin, Ian Thomas, and a twenty twenty third. So we, got, we have quite a bit in that deal coming from that side. Uh, and it went to the other team for Kirk Cousins, the 111, the 203, and the 2023rd. They're going to be vastly different in thirds, but we're, we're, you know, the difference between the, you know, let's say like 302 versus 311, uh, there's not like a massive gap there in rookie picks as far as value when you're looking at something like this. I, so I still kept them in there. And I, just, I thought it was interesting that I feel like here, Trey – that uh, so if, if you're if you're higher on Dak than Kirk, I'd be curious to hear where we are on Chris Godwin versus the 111 in a rookie draft. Uh, maybe even the 111 and 203, like comparatively. And so this came out within point one point away in the DTC. So I'm just going to throw that out, but I feel like it may have a factor. And then uh, this kind of rolls into another deal, but I think it's <laughs> well. Well, let's sl- yeah, let's slow down because listen. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm rambling, but that's uh, <laughs> no, so just to just to restate the trade. On one side, Trey sends Dak Prescott, Chris Godwin, Ian Thomas, and a 2023rd. The return is Kirk Cousins, the 111, the 203, and a 2023rd. So, but yeah, you're you're saying, well, let's cancel out Dak and, and Cousins. Let's take, cancel the 2023rd. So essentially, you're kind of left with comparing Chris Godwin and Ian Thomas to the 111 and 203. Yeah, and I'll tell you the, exactly why I made this trade. Two two things. You know, I did I did mention on the podcast last week that I prefer Dak Prescott to Kirk Cousins. However, in this particular league, the, the, I had a little bit different perspective. So I I I have Patrick Mahomes in this particular league, and on top of that, I held on to the one hundred and one. It's a super flex league, and I knew I was taking Kyler Murray. So my my starting quarterbacks uh, at the time were not did not include Murray but I knew Murray was joining my team so essentially I knew Murray wasn't a guy I wanted to re- rely on I I feel like I'm a, a reasonable contender in this in this league I think I have a, a shot at the playoffs and, and then anything can happen so I really wanted Kirk Cousins to be able to bridge the gap so I don't have to feel the need to start Kirk um to, to feel the need to start Kyler Murray week in and week out this year so I felt like Kirk Cousins would give me better I think Kirk Cousins in redraft is greater than Dak Prescott for me this year. So I wanted the improved production short-term because I feel, I feel like starting 12 months from now, it's going to be locked and loaded. Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, you know, week in and week out. Um, so that was kind of the motivation at, at the quarterback switch. I did want to unload Chris Godwin, and I was having a lot of difficulty. I'm not a believer. He's not a guy that I think I want to have long-term. And I felt like the 111 and 203 was a little bit of an underpay. But I think at this point, I might have already had some conversations with the owner for the, of the, with the Corey Davis pick, and there was some interest in maybe um, trading Corey Davis if I could acquire a late first. So I 
certainly had my eyes on, you know, swapping from Chris Godwin to Corey Davis for me is huge. And so in my eyes, essentially I was upgrading in the short term at quarterback. I was getting these picks for Godwin and Thomas so that I could grab Corey Davis, who I really believe in. Um, and, and essentially the 2023rds are mine and this other owners, which I think essentially moves me up from the last, you know, hopefully four or five picks up to the top four or five picks in the third round. So essentially for me, it was, it was uh, making a move uh, that short term maybe looked like a loss, uh, but in the long term, I felt like it was going to put me in a better position. Um, and, and so I, it was a, it was a move I was willing to make. I do like Dak a lot, but I just don't see Dak starting for me very often in the next, you know, eight to 10 years, honestly, with, I mean, that's looking really far out, but I mean, Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes, I hope are, are my starting quarterbacks on this team for, for, you know, the next 10, 12 years. So that was kind of my, that was kind of where I, I came from when I made this deal. Yeah. And I, I think the interesting plot twist, we're basically an M, M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, Trey, you actually traded the, that, that 111 back to the team that you acquired it from in that Corey Davis deal. And so that was Corey Davis, the 212 and Jared Cook. Or sorry, sorry, the 111, 212, and Jared Cook for Corey Davis, which I thought was interesting. And again, and the, the calculator, you know, isn't, isn't built for, for multiplayer deals, but that was weighted 21.4 to 16.6 uh, in this format, in this scenario, for the package. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, you know, again, I liked the um, – it, it, there was a lot – there were a lot of moving parts. I think I made another deal right around the same time in the same league, and I forget – what it was. Uh, I think I might've traded um, Tariq Cohen um, somewhere in there and, and, and gotten some picks in exchange. Um, so there were, there were a lot of moving parts at the time. So, but anyway, it's a, it's a deal. And, and in hindsight, I like it. I mean, I, you know, coming out of that with, I forget what I did with the two Oh three, but, but coming out of that, um, I think I had actually acquired the two twelve from you for Carlos Hyde. Will honestly, um, now that I think about it, I think that's, that's right. correct. So, because um, at that point in time, I had Damian Williams. Yeah, there were there were a lot of a lot of moving parts in that league, but but I was really happy with what I what I where I started and wanted I what I ended up with because I had the one hundred and one, and then I also that and that's the same league where I traded you Keenan Allen for the one hundred three and one hundred four, and I was pretty ecstatic because uh, Nikhil Harry went at the 102. And so in a half PPR super flex league, I was able to walk away with uh, Kyler Murray, Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. And so I, I was, I was pretty stoked about that because it's, it's the kind of league where, you know, if, if I can, if I can start at the, the minimum number, if you know, there's two wide receivers start, if I'm only starting two week in and week out because I've got so many starting running backs to put in my lineup, I'm pretty, pretty happy. So I was, um, was kind of planning to take Harry and Sanders at that at that spot. Cause I expected yeah. Jacobs to go second. So I, I made a, that, that league is very similar to the one in which I traded Camara, you know, um, to you. Um, both of those rosters were, were pretty significantly made over this off season. Um, so yeah, I was, and, and, I was really sad to see Josh Jacobs not go second in that, uh, in that league. Cause that one of three would have been more valuable in a trade deal. And the, the reason to putting something like this in here and talking about even Ryan's trades, is this is one of the, the pitfalls and fallacies of, of Twitter reactions and voting. And what you can really get into trouble with is, is not getting any context around a deal or if people reference what, uh, you know, if, they, if someone's trying to trade you a player and they say, okay, well, Twitter voted this way and it's very lopsided, that still doesn't mean it's a good deal for your team. 
This doesn't mean it's the right deal at the time for you. Uh, context is so heavily important and you can easily weight, weight things one way or the other. I think one way to look at it with your trade, Ryan, that was, you know, at the time that it seemed like ludicrous that he would do that. Then it ended up working out in a way that you wanted it to. And same with trade, you ended up making more moves afterwards. And even though technically you lost those deals and, you know, maybe in, in some of those Twitter were voted one way or the other, it's just the context is just so important. Use things as reference, not as a uh, direct guideline or like, not like a direct, you know, league by league guide. Yeah, I think it's a super important point, Will, and something I, I think the three of us are, are really, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but we're really good at is we think about trade strategically. We think long-term. We look at where our team is now. We look at where it needs to go, where, where our team stands versus the rest of the teams in the league, the you know, team makeup, and, and we think about how to change that. And every trade that we approach, it, there's a bigger strategy. It's, it's like um, with the organization, this is kind of boring, maybe a, bit, a little businessy your organization that you're involved with probably has a strategic plan and that may be super boring to you, but that strategic plan is really important because that charts the course of your organization. So for your dynasty team, you should probably map out a little strategic plan about where you are now, where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And if you're just looking at trade by trade, just like I'm going to make my team a little bit better and I'm going to win by value and this and that you're looking at that way. You know, you may have some success with that, but ultimately you got to look big picture and think of the strategy behind all the deals you're making. Boom, boom. I feel like that's a great place to close the show. I, think, I was going to say, I think we should call it night. So let's do it, because we've got some other trades we can talk about in future shows. So that's my final thought. I need, I need, I need to add to that. Yeah, I do. I want to add, you know, and, and this was brought up in um, a couple of these leagues where, you know, people are hating on someone for a, a move that they made or saying, wow, I can't believe you made that deal. Like, you know, I think trading's fun. And, and to be completely honest, like, I don't know about, I know about you, Ryan, and, and you will for the most part, like we're not playing in leagues with 200, $400,000 buy-ins. I mean, I play in one league that's a hundred dollar buy-in and I just, for me, making trades is the second most fun part of, of dynasty. And, and you could even argue, I mean, there's some people that say winning is everything to me, the entertainment value that I get out of doing a startup and being very active and negotiating and trading to me, the entertainment value of that is even greater than winning the league. I know winning is the ultimate goal, but we do this for the entertainment value, right? I mean, so making trades when you're in enough leagues, you know, there's leagues where you look at your team and you're like, I'm just not quite happy with this team. And you kind of blow it up and you make a bunch of moves. And, and maybe a month later, you're like, ah, you know, I don't know that I love where I've gone with this. Or, or you look at it and you're like, man, this, this, I really like the direction I'm headed. The, the reality is like, we're all doing this for fun. Don't, don't take yourself so seriously. Like, you know what, if everybody thinks trading, you know, Camara for Fournette and Jacobs looks a little silly. So be it, man. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? 12 months from now, it looks like a worse deal than it does today. And you're just forced into, you know, having to make more moves to get better. I, I mean, I like, you know, go for it, man. It, it's, it's fun. Just the, making the moves. And I, I, I will assure you too, and, and Will gets credit for this really in that particular league. Um, sometimes all it takes is one or two trades. And next thing you know, there, you know, in a period of a week, you've got 10 trades have gone off in a league and, and what had been a quite dormant league 
immediately turns into one of your most active leagues. And it's just fun. It's, it's a blast. Everyone's like reaching out, you're reaching out, people are updating their trade bait, you're shooting them messages like, hey, I saw you're willing to trade so and so. And it's just a good time. So make, make, make trades, make, make moves, make your teams better. And just, and just to add on one thing, that is part of being a good dynasty owner. And that's part of the strategy involved is making deals, being proactive, reaching out to other owners. Because if, if you don't do that, if you just kind of sit on the sidelines, your, your team's not going to get better. I mean, the more active you are, the, the more relationships you develop in your league, the, the, the better your team's going to be. Yeah, you're going to lose some trades, but if you're active, you're probably going to win more than you're going to lose. You're going to get people to accept deals that maybe they shouldn't accept because you're active. So be active. That's part of the, that, that's under the fun because you can't have the fun with the trades unless you're active in it. It, yeah. Like you said, Trey, in that, in that league we referred to, it was Will that like fired things up, got it going. And then before you know it, I don't know, like, I think between the three of us, we were all involved in, I don't know, like a bunch of, a bunch of trades. I'm lost, we lost count. Um, and, and it, it was just so much fun. So it, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if you're, not, if you're having fun, and our, our listeners are having fun, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, then you're, you're, you need a new hobby or something. So, all right, Will, you want to add anything, or should we get out of here? Let's get out of here. Um, we are at FF Joes on Twitter. We're the Fantasy Joes. We appreciate you listening. You can also become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com slash Joes and check it out. Patreon supporters get a bonus episode twice a month during the off season so you want to check that out so on behalf of trey barrett and will greenwood i'm ryan livergood and we are the fantasy joes keep yourself up in five years